So turn your neighbor right quick. Say, I'm ready to learn something today. Let's go. Come on now. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Come on now. You guys act like you were up late watching that game. It was 51 to 13, y'all. You didn't need to stay up watching that. Turn that off at halftime and get sleep so you can have energy at church the next day, right? Because, all right. So I don't know if this happens to you every once in a while, but I'll be scrolling through uh, Instagram watching uh, reels, which are probably just former TikTok videos, but because I'm a grown-up, I watch them on Instagram six months later. Um, That's just how I do it. Um, But every once in a while, there'll be these videos that just pop up that I can't not watch. And they're generally just like fails or people just doing just stupid, stupid stuff and misusing things. I got a few that I'd love to show with you, Jerry. I don't even know which one's number one right here. Uh, What's the first one here? Oh, yeah, gym fails. Love gym fails, right? You ever see these things where these guys are like in a gym and it's like they've never been in a gym before? Like this next one that's coming up, like I have no – oh, no, sorry. Keep going. Go back to the gym one. Let's go back to the gym one. Um, because there's this guy that's like, I have no clue what he is, he is doing. Like that, I don't know what that's supposed to work out. Um, but then you, you come up to this, this next guy. It's like, what is he doing? What is that supposed to strengthen? How, how about this guy? I love this next guy right up here. Um, so this is a guy. He bought a boat. And his wife, I know, was like, what did you buy a boat for? We don't even have a trailer for a boat. He's like, I don't need no trailer. I got a cargo van. I can take care of this. So I'm here to give you guys some ideas. All right? So all you need is a cargo van and a boat. You can make it make it happen. Um, here, this next guy is living in the year 3000. I love this. All right? <laughs> this guy has got it. You want to talk about fuel economy? Right there. I, bet you, I, want, I don't know how many miles a gallon that guy gets in that thing. I just I love, love watching these things, but there's a, there's a, there is actually a principle to this, and it's this, that if you don't understand the purpose of something, you'll end up misusing it or abusing it. And if you misuse it and abuse it, you'll end up either hurting yourself or maybe somebody else. And that's like really evident in the gym fails to where you see some of these things that they're doing. If you don't understand the purpose of that piece of equipment and you misuse it, you abuse it, you'll end up hurting yourself. You may even hurt somebody else. And, and today we're starting a brand new series. We're going to spend three weeks in the series called The Generous Life. And in this series, we're going to be talking about something that if you don't understand its purpose, you'll either misuse it or you'll abuse it. And you'll either hurt yourself or you'll end up hurting someone Else. And so we're going to be talking about money for the next few weeks. And I know that um, you're like, why would we talk about money right now? Like stats just came out. The average American is spending $709 more every single month right now than what we were two months ago. Okay, So that, that's out there. Interest rates are high. It, wages aren't keeping up with inflation. And it's like, why would we spend time talking about generosity? Because it's like, we're barely hanging on by the skin of our teeth here. In fact, we hear that from you whenever we ask, you know, in like next steps and start here, like, what do you need help with? Or what would you like to hear more about? One of the number one things is generally three things, faith, family, and what's the third? Finances, how to deal with our, with our money. And so we're going to spend a few weeks just talking about this idea of money, because here's the thing about money. It can be a remarkable blessing or a terrible curse. It can be a remarkable blessing in that it can allow us to do some incredible things, to meet needs, help others, make positive changes in our community and in our world. But yet if it becomes an obsession and the primary goal of our life or an end in and of itself, it can become a curse because it can lead to greed, corruption, and the erosion of moral values. And what is the way out of this? It's learning to be generous. 
Learning to be generous. Because here's the truth for you, if you've got your notes there. A generous life begins with the recognition that our God is a generous God. That's where it all begins, is recognizing that God himself is a generous God. Uh, James, little brother of Jesus, this is how he put it in James chapter 1, verse 17. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift comes from God himself. Because our God is a generous God. Now, that's probably not brand new news to you today. That's probably something you've heard before. Probably even something that you have thought before. That God is a generous God. And you probably, it's not even a shocker to hear. It's like, hey, we need to be generous people. We all know that we need to be generous people. Now, we may not be generous yet, but we know that at least we should. And we all know that giving is better than consuming. We just understand this. We know this to be true because there has never been a single story of consuming that led to life change. Like nobody has ever come up to me and said, Adam, I feel so close to God. God is doing amazing things in my life. And I just, I just can't even begin to express how close I feel to him. And I go, well, what's changed in your life? He's like, I bought a hundred inch OLED TV and it has just like changed my spirituality. Nobody has ever come up to me and say, I got a new pair of Jordans, and man, my faith in God has skyrocketed. Oh my goodness, me and Jesus, we're like best friends now, you know? Nobody has ever said, I bought a new boat and a cargo van to put it in. And it's like, and and I am just like on, I'm just like next to God right now. Nobody has ever said that. It has never been stories of consuming that brings us to this place to where we're in a better relationship with God. No, it's through, it's through giving. It's through generosity that we begin to experience things like this. I love Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. It says this, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And that's what we're after. We want to be refreshed, but we also want to be refreshing to other people. And so today I want to talk to you about why generosity is important. And to understand that, we have to understand the purpose of money. And so in your notes, here you go. The purpose of money is this. Money is a tool for us to enjoy and for us to serve God with. It is a tool for us to enjoy and for us to serve God. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. This is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. And tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need always being ready to share with others. What what does Paul say? He says there's two purposes to money. The first is to enjoy it. And it's right there in the Bible. You can enjoy using it. Most of us, really good at that. Okay? We're good at enjoying our money. We're even good at enjoying money we don't have. Okay? We're good at enjoying money. But he says do good and be generous. Now that might be the one that we need a little check on our lives. Now, some of you are smart Bible people, and so you've already read that verse, and you're like, teach those who are rich, and you're like, good, that's not me, um, because I'm not rich. Them over there, they're rich, not me. Well, I've got great news for you today. Okay, you didn't know this today, but you actually are rich. The median salary and and income, family income in Walton County is $71,000 a year. 
If you make the median, that means that you are in the top 96% of earners in the entire world. So congratulations, you're rich. Okay, so you're in the top 4% of the entire world. And so this, these verses have everything to do with us, everything to do with us. We have to be generous people. There are more promises in the Bible related to generosity than there is any other subject. Generosity with our talent, our time, our talk, our treasure, and all of it is about us learning to become unselfish people. And that kind of begs the question, why is God so interested in us becoming generous? And the answer is very, very simple. It's because generosity is love in action. And you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. You have to learn to do this. And if you're not a generous person, then you're not a loving person. And that's why in the Bible, there are almost twice as many verses in the entire Bible that relate to money. There's about 2,350 verses that deal with giving and the subject of money in the entire Bible. And that is almost twice as many as belief, prayer, and love combined. There's a lot there. Even whenever Jesus comes along, 11 of his 39 parables were on the subject of money. Jesus talks more about money than he does heaven and hell. How could Jesus talk more about money than heaven and hell? I mean, doesn't he know what's like really important? I mean, why does he talk about money so much? Have you ever wondered about that? It's like, was Jesus working on commission? It's like, well, I got to get these people to give because you know what they're going to do. Was he a swindler? Just like trying to take advantage of people? No. It's because he knew the number one competitor for your heart is going to be your money. And he knows that money is something that grabs at our heart. He knows that we want to have money, but money wants to have us. This is what he says in Matthew chapter 6, starting off in, in verse 21. He says these words, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And then listen to him. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. What does Jesus say? You cannot serve both God and money. He says, because where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be as well. Like, you don't know this, but you feel this. There is an invisible string attached to your heart and your wallet. And you know this exists because whenever you asked your dad for money as a kid, and he reached for his wallet to pull it out to give you some money, do you remember how, what his face looked like? He went like, oh. oh. Why? Because he's tugging on that wallet. And the moment he pulls on that wallet, it's like pulling that string on his heart. And he's like, I think I need to go to the doctor, right? Because this hurts in here. And Jesus knew that, that there's like this invisible string between our heart and our wallet. And so he's like, you have to learn to be generous people. You have to learn to have healthy eyes. Just an old Jewish term there saying, you know, good eye versus an evil eye. A good eye is somebody that looks out with benevolence and goodwill and looking out for people, happy for other people when they prosper. But a bad eye was just the opposite. Somebody who rejoiced in people's suffering or, or, or was upset by other people's success, who loved their money and was never generous. And so he says, if you have healthy eyes, it's because you're a generous person. If you have bad eyesight and you're unhealthy, it's because you're a Scrooge McDuck. 
That's who you are. He says, that's wickedness. That's selfishness. And so if we want to have a generous heart, we've got to deal with, our, with the selfishness in it. And so today, what I want to do, and just in our, in our time left today, I want to give you six reasons why generosity matters. And I'm giving you a little bit of a heads up. The original list was 18. And um, my clock is not long enough for that uh, today. So um, what we've done in the podcast that comes out tomorrow, we've gone through the other 12. And so if you want to jump into Corinth in your car and pick up the other 12, you can do that. Um, I'm also telling you, since I've got six and I've got 16 minutes to go, I'm going fast. I'm not apologizing for going fast. And so here's what I need you to do. I need you to watch your neighbor because I'm afraid they might be a little slow in taking notes. And so um, you just watch over your neighbor's shoulder. Make sure they're getting everything down because we're going to fly through these six things right here here. So uh, turn to your neighbor and just say, I'm watching you. All right, just do that. Just tell them you're watching them. You got your eye on them. All right, it's a good eye, not an unhealthy eye, but you're going to be watching them. All right, six reasons. Here we go. Reason number one, why generosity matters. It's, it's this. Generosity honors God. Generosity honors God. Right, listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth, talking about an offering that he's been trying to collect for the churches. And this is what he says. He says, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, what's going to happen? They will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. Number one, the needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. And what's the second thing? They will joyfully express their thanks to God as a result of your ministry. They will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. So what's the result? Their giving is going to meet needs. But then what's the second thing? It's going to bring glory and honor to God. This is what we're all after. In fact, that's what Proverbs 14 says. It says this, those who oppress the poor insult their maker. But helping the poor, what does it say? It honors him. See, whenever we are generous and we give, it meets needs and it brings glory to God. It helps those who need to be helped, but it also brings glory to our Father in heaven. Because when we're generous, it's not just a service to others. It is something that is a service to God. And in our generosity, God is the one who receives the glory. It's not you. It's not me. It's not even this church. It is God himself receives the glory. And so where God blesses with finances, his intention is for us to not to keep them, but to bless others with them. That's his plan so that he can receive honor. Here's number two. Generosity draws me closer to God. Here's a very simple principle. Whatever I invest in is what I am interested in. Whatever I invest in is what I'm interested in. It can be anything. It can be golf, right? You invest in golf. Anybody who plays golf knows you invest to play golf. And so you go out there and you're like, why? Because you're interested in it. Nobody bought a brand new set of clubs or a slightly used set of clubs um, so that they could just sit them in the corner of their house. I'm like, what did you do that for? I just thought it'd be a cool decoration. 
It's like, no, you bought the new clubs because that's going to fix your swing. That's the problem. It's not your swing. It's the clubs. And so you, you bought the new set of clubs. It, it could be a new business plan. And so you're investing money in it. And so what are you going to do? You're going to be very interested in how things are going. And whatever we invest in is where our interest generally lies. That's why it's easy on Team Color Sunday to just watch everybody come in in their Georgia red and black because y'all are very interested and invested in your team. And so you've bought a bunch of gear and swag. That's what it does. What we're invested in shows what we are interested in. And so in a sense, everything we do is an investment. Everything we do. You're always pouring your time, your talent, and your treasure into something. And whatever you're pouring into, that's where your heart is. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 14. He says, bring this tithe. And we're going to talk about the mechanics of giving next week. So we're just going to move right past the sentence. But this is, bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, to the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. Eat it there in his presence. This applies to your tithes of grain, uh, new wine, olive oil, firstborn meals of your flocks and your herds. Okay, this is the, the key sentence. Doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. In other words, whenever you bring the tithe, whenever you bring this thing forward, it is teaching your heart something about where your interests really need to lie. We already saw that in Matthew 6, 21, when Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be as well. So if you invest into the things of God, hear me, then you will draw near to the things of God. Because wherever your money is, there your heart will be also. And so, friend, listen to me. I'm I'm just trying to help you out as a friend. If you, want to draw, if you want to be closer to God, if you want to feel closer to God, then invest your money in the things of God. Pastor and author Chip Ingram says this, generosity is a gateway to intimacy with God. It's a gateway. There's, there's a great example over in Luke 19. We don't have time to go through the entire story, but there's, there's two different guys in the story. It's the rich young ruler and a guy named Zacchaeus. Okay, the rich young ruler um, was, he, he was rich and he was young and he ruled. Um, okay, and then there's Zacchaeus, who was a wee little man. Wee little man was he, but he was also really wealthy. And uh, there's one pastor named Kent Hughes. He points out there's this huge contrast between the two. The rich young ruler chose his wealth over Jesus, but Zacchaeus chose Jesus over his wealth. I said, we don't have time to go into all this, but he's, he's able to point out that in the Gospel of Luke specifically, um, there, is, there is this idea that, that generosity is a sign of someone who's been saved. This is what he says. There is no such thing as a Christian Scrooge, he says. We may know some Scrooges who claim to be Christians, but I don't think you can claim to really know Christ and be a stingy person. Because the gospel opens up our soul. And when it opens up our soul, it opens our hands. Number three, generosity increases my happiness. It increases my happiness. Apostle Paul quotes Jesus in Acts chapter 20. He says this, You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That, that, that phrase, more blessed, means it is, literally, literally it means it is the greatest level of happiness is to be found in giving. And I really think those of us who are parents, we, we've kind of learned this. And I assume as grandparents, it's the same thing. Great grandparents, it's the same thing as well. Because you remember whenever you were a kid and it came down to Christmas time, what was it about? 
how many presents you got and you got to open. And that's why on Christmas morning, you're diving under the tree. You're waking your parents up at three in the morning. You're throwing the presents around. It's like, come on, 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 come on. I got to open, got to open, got to open, got to open because it's all about what you get, what you get, what you get. But then as you have kids, and I'm assuming as you have grandkids, it really shifts, doesn't it? And to where it's like, you're not the one that wants to dive under the Christmas tree and get everything out so you can see what you, you, you received. In fact, there's probably something really weird about seeing a 50-year-old diving under a Christmas tree. You know, like, what did I get? What did I get? What did I get? It's like, mm, okay. Um, but what we do is we shift and we're like, I just can't wait to see them open what I gave them. And everything changes and your perspective is completely new of just like, oh my goodness, I can't wait for them to open. So what happened? What makes the shift from being somebody who wants to receive, receive, receive to somebody who wants to give? You ready? It's, it's a really simple answer. You grew up. And whenever it comes to our maturity in Christ, one of the things that really starts to mark you know, whether or not we are growing and maturing is how happy we are. When we're giving, do we really fall into this and we really believe what Jesus says, that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive? I love 2 Corinthians 9. Paul says this, you must decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Why? For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. That's really the beautiful part of Christian giving. It's not something that's forced out of us. It's not a tax that's imposed on us. It's not something we're under compulsion to do. It's something that we are happy to do. We're cheerful about it. In fact, that word uh, cheerful there is the Greek word hilaros, which is where we get our word hilarious. God loves hilarious givers, joyful givers, cheerful givers. You can't be generous and grumpy. You just can't do it. And there is great joy Whenever we give, but even more so joy whenever we know that our heart is aligned with God's. Number four, generosity will be, will be rewarded in heaven. It will be rewarded in heaven. Matthew chapter six. Let's go back to that. Let's jump up to verse 19. Here's what Jesus says. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves can break in and steal Store your treasures in heaven, where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves can't break in and steal. For wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will be as well. Now, I want you to notice something here in verse 19 and 20. Jesus isn't speculating. He's guaranteeing. And whenever he tells us, don't store up treasures in heaven on earth, it's not because your wealth might be lost. That's not what he's saying. He's saying it will definitely be lost. It's going to happen. You may lose it while you live. You will definitely lose it and leave it when you die. Earthly treasure is flammable. You can't take it with you. And the only way to fireproof it is to send it ahead. And maybe you've heard that said before. You know, you can't take it before you. Maybe you heard somebody say, you never see a, a hearse pulling a U-Haul. And generally that's true, but um, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> Um, I'm assuming it's not going to a funeral. Okay, I'm assuming that, that, that's there. Um, but here's the thing. Here, here's the truth. You can't take it with you. Church, hear me though. But you can send it ahead. You can send it ahead of you. There is no earthly treasure that is safe. 
Peter says this, The day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. The heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. The very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. There are two treasures in life, temporary and those that last forever. And you and I have a decision to make. What are you going to live for? Are you going to live for right now, or are you going to live for eternity? And are you going to send it ahead of you? Number five, generosity brings God's blessing. It brings God's blessing. And there are so many scriptures that we could have gone through here, but I I just limited myself to three here. Uh, Proverbs 22 verse 9 says, Blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. Deuteronomy 15 says, Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. Back to 2 Corinthians 9. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Generosity brings God's blessing. It really, really does. It was years ago, the kids were still little, that we decided that we were going to plant a garden um, in, our, in our backyard. And so um, it was going to be a small, small garden. It was going to be a raised garden. It was four by six, okay? Um, that's feet, not acres. And uh, so four, four by six. And um, so we just decided we were going to go big. And it's like in this little four by six garden, um, we, we were we going to kind of live by 2 Corinthians 9, that if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. But if you sow plentifully, you'll, you'll reap a lot. You'll have an abundance. So we went to Walmart, and we just started buying seed packets just left and right. And so we bought tomatoes and okra and jalapenos and bell peppers, strawberries, squash, even onions in this four by six garden, all right? And so we're getting those packets out, and it's just like I was not about to just like dig little holes and do those kind of things and like put AC in there and a seed right there and then just kind of make a little row no 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 it's just like get the kids out there and just like just start just start throwing the seed around it's like what is that i don't know and it's just throwing out there right and we'll, we'll have a tomato jalapeno is what we'll end up with and we'll just start throwing it around around and around and around and we went a little overkill and we had okra because y'all know you can grow okra right you can, like that stuff comes out crazy squash tomato plants that snakes tried to eat all kinds of things and we did the bountiful sowing so that we could have a bountiful reaping right Lots of seeds, lots of plants. That's just kind of how it goes. But here's something that never crossed my mind while we were planting that garden. I never said to my wife or to the kids, man, we sure are losing a bunch of seeds here, man. This is just, oh, I don't know if we're going to be able to handle losing all the seeds. Because no one plants a garden and views a seed as a loss. They see it as a way to have the garden and to have the harvest in the first place. And so, church, here's what Scripture lays out. If you're cheap with your giving, you'll be cheap in the blessing. But if you are lavish in your giving, you will see a great return from God himself. And Jesus would say in Luke chapter 6, 38, give and it will be given unto you. And I want to be clear. Listen to me. This is not appealing to your greed, to my greed. It's not saying you give to God and like an investment banker, he's going to make it, you know, tenfold or any of those kind of things. You'll get rich from it because if that's the heart that you're going to have whenever you approach giving, then all you're going to reap is spiritual poverty. But scripture goes at our hearts and says, if you give generously, there will be a blessing that comes your way. And it may be financial, it may be spiritual, it may be relational. I don't know what it ends up being, but the promise is when your heart is where it needs to be, it doesn't matter you'll receive the blessing that God intends for you. Here's number six. Generosity makes me more like Jesus. 
It makes me more like Jesus. Most famous verse in all the Bible, John 3, 16. For this is how God loved the world, that he gave. He gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. He gave his own life. And so the more godly you are, the more generous you will be. And the more generous you are, the more godly you'll become. And every time you give, you become more like Jesus himself. I I love Proverbs 21. It says that some people are always greedy for more, but the godly, the godly love to give. It's an old U.S. congressman named Bob McEwen. And he tells the story about how one time he took his son to McDonald's and he bought him some french fries. So they went down and they sat down in the little booth there. And Bob says, you know, he's just watching his son. And Bob took a drink of his Coke and he looked over at those McDonald's french fries. You know what I'm talking about. Those McDonald's french fries, they were hot. They weren't cold. Um, You know, they still look like they've been in your car for six months. But, you know, uh, they were actually hot and fresh. And so he reached over there just to try to grab one of those McDonald's french fries. And he said his son um, just put his arms around the french fries and went, no, those are mine. Bob said, I immediately had three thoughts. Number one, I realized my child had forgotten that I am the source of all fries. And that he would have no fries if it weren't for me. I mean, I drove him here. I brought him here. I bought the fries. I handed him the fries. And he would have no fries if it weren't for his father. Number two, is my child doesn't realize I could take them all away if I wanted to. I mean, I can look at him and say, nah, 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 no more fries until after dinner. On the other hand, my kid doesn't even realize that I could buy him a truckload of fries if I wanted to. They're not that expensive at McDonald's. It's like, give me all the fries. Bring them all over here. But number three... He said, my child doesn't realize that I really don't need his fries. Because if I really wanted fries, I could have just bought my own. I didn't need them. I just wanted him to learn to be unselfish and to learn how to share. And friends, that's why God wants us to learn how to be generous. God doesn't need your money. It belongs to him anyway, right? It wasn't yours before you were born. It's not going to be yours after you die. He just loaned it to you while you're alive. It's all his. Listen, he is the Lord of the fries. That is who he is. You're welcome. Everything you have in your life is because God is kind and good. He just wants you and I to learn to be generous. Why? Because he's a fry giver. And he wants us to become like him. Because this is the bottom line. God loves a generous giver because God is a generous giver. It's who he is. So here's my challenge to you this week. I want you to spend some time, and I just want you to list out four ways God has been generous to you. And you can look back over the week, over the month, if you need, like, I'll look over the past year, whatever it is. Just say, here are four ways God has been generous to me. List them out, count your blessings, and then come back next week, and let's talk about how we can begin to be generous. And we'll talk about the mechanics of it, and we'll give you a playbook for generosity next week. But here, I'm going to give you number one way, all right? And if you're a Christian, this is it. This is the number one way. How has he been generous to you? Is he gave his one and only son for you. That whoever believes in him would not perish but would have eternal life. And that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. So if you're a Christian, you can already write that one down. God has been generous to me because he gave me Jesus. If you are not a, if you are not a Christian, 
he still gave his son for you. And this can become, this can be a part of your list. If you will simply put your faith in the one who has given his son for you. And so my question for you is very simple. Have you admitted that you need a savior, that you are a sinner in desperate need of a savior? Have you put your faith, have you believed in Jesus that he is who he says he is, that he is the son of God, the one who died, was buried, three days later rose from the dead? Have you committed your life to him and made him Lord of your life, experienced the blessing of baptism and everything that comes along with that? If not, today is the day to go all in and experience the radical generosity of God who did not withhold his son from you or from me. If you're watching online, visit the website on the screen. If you're in the room, grab that connection card and say, I'm ready to begin a relationship with Jesus. Hand it off to an usher as you're leaving today and go all in. Father God, we thank you for being a generous God and help us to be generous people because that's what you've called us to do. And help us to take our next steps in generosity and help us to take this seriously because you know where our money is is where our heart is. And so, God, please do a radical work in our heart that is revealed in how we treat your money. In Jesus' name, amen.